Welcome back to another edition of Real Estate Investing with Alex Deacon. My name is Adam. I am the host. I am here with Alex as always every week. I always love starting so awkward, Alex. I like starting every show as awkward as possible just to set a good tone, you know? Awkward. <laughs> so listen here, we're back let's again. Just, let's just have some awkward silence. It's all kinds of awkward. Dead air. It's all the dead air that we can. Um, guys, listen, um, if you have not, go back and listen to the 30-some hours that we have already recorded for you guys. Um, there's a ton of stuff. We've covered a ton of topics. Today, we are going to be topic covering proper budgeting for repairs, property management, and vacancies. Um, Alex, dig in on this one. Where, uh, where, where do you want to start out with this one? I thought we had more hours. We, need, we, we have less than 30 hours, huh? Uh, we should have, in, including... We have 20... Almost 25 here, and then we have three, almost four in the property management. But some of that's doubled up, right? Some of that is, yeah, that, that's what happens probably the most. And then including Ian, uh, okay. if you count his down oh, yeah. there. What's his totals up there? Five hours, yes, yeah, so total word about that's, 30. It's definitely good stuff. I just thought we had more. It seems like it, because we do this a lot, but then they end up being 15 minutes. Sometimes minutes, they're 15, so, yeah. yep. So that's, what, that's actually one thing. If you guys want to reach out to us on either Facebook, Twitter, uh, email us. You know, uh, reach out to us. Let us know uh, if you guys like the longer versions that are more uh, half half an hour. If you guys enjoy the little fifteen minute you know bits and pieces where we kind of just toss ideas out there. Um, we do these for you guys. We want you guys to enjoy them. We want you guys to to take the information. Uh, so let, give us some feedback. Let us know. And everyone that has given us feedback at the previous workshops, thank you. Uh, you guys are awesome. So, Alex. Okay. The floor is your good man. Yeah, proper budgeting for repairs, management, and vacancy. How exciting. Huh? Exciting Woo. adventure. We could have come up with a better title. I think. We probably could have. <laughs> we will but before this publishes. Proper sure. budgeting for repairs, <laughs> maintenance, and vacancy. This will definitely get retitled before we publish. <laughs> so the reason I bring this topic up is because our la we just spoke about um, out-of-state investors. Mm -hmm. Okay, so coming, which a lot of out-of-state investing information that I gave to in that last podcast is the same as if you're in-state. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not a whole lot different. It's just it's harder to to buy something that's you can't see and check on on a regular basis when you're out of state and you don't have the teams and the, this in place and people you can trust, knowledge of the market. But you still need to have that even when you're here you know but it's just easier because you're here right. you get to talk to people meet them you need to go see the properties but what the mistake I see in many cases including myself you think I'd learned by now but I still make the, the mistake of proper budgeting and I hear somebody outside so uh, folks I have my two dogs here with me today and so if you hear the dogs barking uh, we might have to stop it <laughs> yeah she's getting ready she's getting ready there I think Ian's outside all right, so proper budgeting for repairs, I see it done incorrectly. And it's not that it's incorrectly, you just don't you don't know any better. I know better, and I still budget incorrectly because sometimes I, I see things with rose-covered glasses, you know, colored glasses. So, But it's so important because what you can pencil whip a property and make it work, right? You can, you can say, okay, I'm going to budget $50 per unit for repairs. I'm going to budget 10% for management and vacancy I'm going to use uh, 8%. Mm. That's easy, right? Because you just pull those out of your hat. Right. You really have no basis to, to pull these statistics out. The management's fairly simple, but um, a lot of folks don't budget in. Also, there's finder's fees involved. So you budget in 10% management or 8% management, whatever the case is, 
but then you have to budget in a finder's fee and some other small fees that go along with that. So a finder's fee is to place a new tenant. So if we have to, if you have a 10-unit building and we have to put two new tenants in there every year, or three new tenants in there every year, then and the average rent's $800 and our finder's fee is one month's rent, so that's another $2,400 that you have to budget into your management fee, which a lot of people don't. So that in this case, that would be $200 a month. So let's say your cash flow is $400 and you didn't budget in the finder's fee, you already lost, your cash flow just got cut in half. Right. So your ROI might have been 12% and it just got cut to 6% or something. You know, that's how quickly it can go poof, right? Um, so make sure you budget proper for management. And that's gonna vary depending on what management company you talk to and more importantly, um, Finding a good management company who who does a good job versus one that charges less is way more important. So, I'd rather pay for a good job and pay what I pay versus think I'm saving money when you're probably not going to save money. You could probably end up costing you money. Hey, um, I, heard, I heard you know a good management company, by the way. I do actually. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll let you know about it. Okay, later. thank okay. you. Okay. All right, we don't want to we don't want to plug any of my other businesses. Oh, there she goes, Ian. Way to go. Sorry, folks. That was my partner, Ian. And that's <laughs> my dog. He that's head my in. dog, he Ava. His head out. And my other we dog. Have a, hey, we always tell people we have a live studio audience. We just actually yes, finally have actually a live do. studio now, audience. That's actually Annie barking. Ava's over there sitting, minding her own business. So, proper budgeting is super critical. So, we just talked about cutting your, um, your profit margin each month in half because you didn't do something correctly, which is proper budgeting for management. Now repairs is a big one. And the question I get posed to me all the time is what should I set aside for repairs? And that honestly is going to depend on the property, right? It's going to depend on on how much capital improvements you want to add to the property. So for instance, I have a, a client right now who's buying a duplex. The property's probably worth, um, I think it's worth you know, maybe 140. He's getting the property for 130. So that that's good. He's getting it undervalued. But he knows up front that one of the tenants is moving out. He knows up front that we're going to have to put probably $10,000 into that unit now as soon as that tenant moves out. He knows that we're going to get a little bit more rent based on that those repairs we're going to have to do. Put a new kitchen and new flooring paint. But he also knows that when we put that ten thousand into it, it's now going to be worth maybe one hundred forty-eight thousand. Okay. He only has one hundred and forty thousand invested in it. The property is going to increase value because it's going to bring in more rent and it's going to show better. So there's some there's some pluses and minuses there. Mm -hmm. the, the minuses are he has to come up with money now. Right. The but the pluses long term it's going to be worth more money. It's going to bring in more income. Right. But how do you budget for that? Okay, so when you so if this place was just rented both sides, and it it still is, but the tenant's moving out. If you don't budget for when that tenant moves out, and you don't take a close look at that unit, knowing that I'm gonna have to put a new kitchen in. It's just unless I want to rent to uh, you know tenants who I don't want to rent to, right. Right. then you got to make the place nice. Does that mean you have to install a kitchen every time? No, but in this case, it really needs done. It's an old tin, like metal cabinets. One of the cabinet doors is missing. You just can't. You can't fix right. it. You know. <laughs> so, if you budget, let's just say you do this, 
you budget this property for a hundred dollars per unit each month that's two hundred dollars okay just for repairs you know a hot water tank can be eight hundred dollars boom that's almost a full year's of budgeting for repairs for one unit and then you then you set aside another hundred dollars a month for capital improvements like kitchens and carpet when people move out you might have to replace carpet or flooring so let's say you're budgeting for this duplex four hundred dollars a month okay what happens in this case what happens with that budget with it's, it's all going straight to the kitchen right yeah straight yeah. to the kitchen so you budgeted 400 a month times 12 months is 4800 dollars. so you budgeted 4800 dollars for the year mm -hmm. per year every year and guess what you're going to spend year one already eight grand right probably 10 kitchen oh, yeah, flooring yeah, and paint yeah, yeah. 10 now that doesn't include any repairs or capital improvements on the other side so you just blew your budget just tripled right i mean it's right it's forty eight hundred dollars you're going to spend 10 plus it's, let's say 13 for for both sides including rehabbing that whole side so you almost tripled your budget and that means at the end of the year because you didn't budget for management correctly and you didn't budget for the repairs correctly or didn't know this up front like my client knows right if you didn't know this up front and you weren't ready for it can you imagine the sticker shock when that happens your management company calls you say hey the tenants moving out um, here's what we're gonna have to do new carpet or flooring five grand and you really should install a new kitchen another five new appliances what I'm not ready for that. I don't have that money set aside. I've only budgeted $4,800 a year, and you're telling me I'm going to spend 10000 the second month? Right. Happens all the time. Okay. So you proper budgeting means... So how do you properly budget? Well, if, that, if you bought that place, and you knew the kitchen was only three years old, and you knew the flooring was pretty much indestructible, it wasn't carpet, it was just this indestructible, nice vinyl click-type floor that was really nice-looking, and it was you're just going to have to clean it. And you knew that the paint was reasonable. You'd, I mean, all the ceilings were good. All seemed like all the doors were painted. You'd probably have to paint the walls only. And all the landscaping was good. The mechanicals were solid. The roof is only five years old. The furnace is two years old. The AC unit's three years old. The hot water tank's one year old. Then you know that your budget can be less, right? Now, if you're buying this same unit and the the kitchen's old, the bathroom's on its last leg, the furnace is just barely getting by, the roof is probably going to need it in five years, it's been patched, the plumbing's very old, you got a lead water pipe coming in into the house, so maybe you want to get that replaced because there's potential lead paint poisoning there. You're talking twenty, thirty thousand $30,000 here. So if you don't account for that, right. and are not cognizant of it, and know about it, and are ready for it, that's one hell of a curveball. Now, how many projects, and I know this might be a side thing, but how many projects, like if you start to add up the things and you think like $20,000, $30,000, $40,000 know, set aside, or, or, or have there been things that you've passed on because of that? Because once you looked at it, you realized, oh, oh yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah, because the price wasn't right. Mm -hmm. Or if the price was right, but I didn't, I knew for a fact that because of all the other things I have going on, that I didn't have enough to budget for that too. You know, like I'm in that pickle right now where, you know, a lot of the properties I own that I bought a long time ago and I didn't really have money to, I'm just nursing these suckers along, right? Some of them, some apartments I'll rent for 300 bucks, which should rent for six because I don't want to invest 15,000 into the unit. Because right. for me to invest 15,000 and get an extra 300 a month, 
is a good investment, but I don't have it. Right. Okay. Right. Or I didn't have it at the time. So right now I have all these. I probably have 20 units, maybe four or five or six buildings that need extensive work. You know. So let's just say 15,000 a unit times 20 units. What is that? I'm probably going to get sick and throw up in my, my, my yeah. I don't garbage know. can here. Um, That's a lot. It's a lot. So fifteen thousand times ten is one hundred fifty times twenty is three hundred thousand. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. probably not. That's probably not wrong. I could probably spend three hundred grand right now if I had the the manpower to, to get it all done right. and rehab these apartments. So I don't have a problem with that. I'm in a position now where I can. So every unit when they come vacant, I'm putting fifteen thousand into it because you know the property's maybe almost paid off or it's halfway paid off. That money. It needs to go into it. It's going to increase the value. I'm going to get more rent. I'm going to be able to rent it quicker. It's all good, and I can afford it. And it's all tax write-off. It's all it's all good. Right. But if you don't have that money and you get hit with a curveball like this on these repairs, it it can hurt drastically mentally. It can be draining, and financially it can be crushing. Right. And if you grow too quickly, which a lot of I did the same thing. If you buy a bunch of properties all at once and you don't fact, so so multiply this scenario Mm -hmm. times four properties. Right. So boom, that first year you just got hit with forty grand of unexpected costs. Forty grand. So maybe that's not a lot for some people, but that's a lot for a lot of people. Oh yeah, it's a lot. (laughs) So that can happen if you grow too quickly and you don't understand what you're getting into. Right. So it's not rocket science, this business, but. You do have to think about it. You do have to know what you're doing. It's it's not real hard to wrap your head around it, but you just got to understand these underlying little costs that can be really come back to, to nail you. Is that one of the biggest problems? Is a lot of times people not not go in too heavy too quick, but they just they go in too heavy too quick, and and because everybody gets excited, you're you looking jump into at the one. game. Yeah, you're looking at one. I did the same thing. There you go. You get, it's easy to understand. You don't have to be no. Uh, you don't have to be a, a Yale student or a rocket scientist. I barely got out of high school. And, I mean, it's just you don't have to really be super, like, book smart. Right. You just have to know what you're doing. This right. is It's a business. This is hard. It's yep. very hard to do. So just be cognizant. Know what you're getting. I don't mind buying properties that I know I'm going to need to put money into mm-hmm. because I know I'm going to need to put money into Right. When you don't expect that is when it really hurts. And the biggest thing is like when you evaluate a property, make sure you're like – because when you're budgeting properly, you can't – and I want to reinforce what you said earlier. You can't look through rose-colored glasses because then your budgeting is just going to be totally skewed. Like mm-hmm. be honest, if not even more conservative you know, than, yeah. than, than, than you normally would be. I, to, I, I brought this up to a client when we were selling a duplex for him. I said, I said dude, you need, to, you need to get rid of this one because this one is a ticking time bomb. And we had an offer, and he decided against it. I'm like, man, you really should have taken that. You're talking of, it was, it wasn't much. It was ignis, insignificant. Anyway, so like six months later, this repair came up, which was like four or five grand, which was a, a lot for this gentleman and a lot for this property. Right. And if you know, if he would have listened to me, I mean, I can't foresee. I can't. I don't have a crystal ball. I just knew that there's something's going to go wrong here. This is one you want to get rid of. We should have sold it then. Typically, if if say a property is forty, fifty thousand dollars, you know, sixty thousand, 
Um, where's your cap as far as, okay, I know I'll sink this much money into it? Or does it depend on location and all kinds of variables? You know, is, yeah, it, is ton, everything ton different? of variables. It okay. depends on, so if you paid 50 or 60 for it, but it's in an area that now transitioned from an, a crappy area to now because Google or Amazon opened up a little hub and there's nice 60 callback. employees there. Mm-hmm. And not a lot of employees, but just 60, all of a sudden it, 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 that whole area flourished because of that news. Then it's worth putting twenty grand into that kitchen and bathroom, right? And I would, oh, absolutely. But yeah. if you're in an area that's downtrodden and it's it's not going anywhere, and the next tenant you get in there is probably going to destroy it, then to put twenty or thirty thousand in a kitchen and bath and flooring and paint is not a good investment. So yeah, there's. So you, would you say this is why it's never good to listen to the rule of thumb? Yeah, amen. There you yeah, go. We, we talk about that. There you go. So budgeting for repairs, management, and then budgeting properly for vacancy. So I'm, it's, I mean, it's hard to get vacancy uh, really, really wrong. The, where you can really lose money is the, the repair aspect of it. Management and vacancy is probably the least of my concerns, but they can be a concern. We talked about management and how that can affect your cash flow by and cut it in half. And then vacancy, that would be your net cash flow. And then vacancy would be uh, like some buildings I own. I own a really nice duplex in just a good stable area. I've had essentially zero vacancy in 25 years. Essentially zero. I mean, we're talking six months of vacancy of two units in 25 years. So, I mean, that's amazing. So you can't use that. To gauge everything you buy, right? Right. So 25 times 12 out of uh, 50. Oh, no, then, then that's times 2 because there's 2 units times 2. So out of. Wait, that is so not right. 25 years times 12 months equals, yeah, 300 times 2. So out of 600 months in rent, I've lost 6 months. Wow. So what is that? Is that like 1%? No, no, that's not even 1. 1% would be 60. No, 1% will be 6. 6, right? Yeah, 6. Wow, so my vacancy rate is 1%. Okay. That's incredible. Then I have a building down the street here that's, I I think I I use this a lot as an Mm -hmm. analogy, but it's it's true. So it's uh, 9 units. I'm probably, I'm always 1 unit vacant. Either someone's not paying or... Or it's vacant. Something's going on there. So out of nine units, um, so I'm probably like 12% vacancy there. So you see the difference. Mm-hmm. So what vacancy rate do I use, Alex? It just, man, it, I can't tell you that right. until I see the building and I get a general idea like the layout is, or the, or the units like, if somebody says I'm buying nine one-bedroom units, but they're nine really, really small bedrooms and the kitchen's real teeny and the, it's just... The, the, um, the liver, living room, you can't even put, like, you could put a couch and a TV and that's it. Mm-hmm. Then your vacancy rate's going to be higher because who in the hell wants to live mm-hmm. there when they can go buy, uh, so your unit's 300 square feet and the one down the street's 400. That's pretty big because it's 25% larger. Right. So who's going to rent yours for the same price when they can go down the street and rent the same mm-hmm. one? Even $50 more. Right. So you have to factor in all these things, you know, how livable, how appealing is your property? How nice is it? How appealing is it from the outside? Can you attract uh, people? Is it is it more of a transient type of apartment building? Like where they're really small, but 
you're right on a bus line, but you're going to get turnover, you know, because it's just temporary. These folks are just, they want a place to live. They want a place to hang their hat. They're right on the bus line, but we're not going to stay there for 10 years. We're going to stay there for a year, maybe two at the most, and we're out. We're moving up to something bigger. So, yeah, vacancy is really important, and how do you factor that in? You just have to know the market. You have to do your homework. So if you don't properly budget for these three items, you can see how financially you can be in a, in a really bad place. Right. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And there is no rule of thumb for these. You have to really know the market and understand the building and construction and what's what the life expectancy of certain things is and what, what things you can put off and what things you can't. And Now, with, aside with, with budgeting, you know, in between just to um, – well, I guess this factors into budgeting, but do you always put in stuff so that that way you can get plumbing checked out? You can get, you know, not just for just these multi-units, but for, for homes that you, you know, do that stuff for too. Is this, all all of this applies to that too, correct? I mean, this isn't like a, a carbon copy where it's like, well, this is just for multi-unit. Realistically, this could be applied to any form oh, of property. Yeah, yeah. You know? yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. I mean, whether you're buying a... Um you're buying a shopping mall, which I have no, no idea what it would take to buy a shopping mall People and what kind of expenses you'll get in buying a shopping mall. Like, But they're no different than buying one single family home. It's right. just you have to budget differently for elevators, for roofs, for these big 6,000 ton AC units that sit on the roof. I mean, it's just that it's completely different. Part. Yeah, knowledge. So that's why I don't buy stuff that I don't know anything about. Like if I was buy a shopping mall, it would have to be like for like one-tenth of the price because that's way all the risk is mitigated, mm -hmm. you know. So that's not going to happen. So that's right. why I don't buy shopping malls. <laughs> Plus I don't have, you know, millions of dollars to buy yeah, a shopping If you got a dollar, you could probably buy Century 3 Mall right now. Um. <laughs> they, they just filed for bankruptcy. Did they? Yeah, they were going to share sale and then they filed for bankruptcy. I heard that. Everybody get your pennies ready. I'm sure. Yep. <laughs> so uh, I don't know, Alex. What else? When it comes to to you know really really budgeting properly for for all these little little nuances that you might overlook through the year. Um, what other good tips before we uh, before we sign off? I guess another one would be if this is not budgeting but properly forecasting what the rents are going to be. So again, if you're looking at things like, hey, the rent, I'm always going to get this high rent amount, that's not the case. I'll give you an example. I have a really nice rental that's coming up vacant now. And some years, this is one of my nicer properties. It's, it's not, this is not like what I normally uh -oh, get. Oh, here we go. Okay. So my stomach's going to fall out this, of my This body, one usually will rent for anywhere from mm, 2000 a month. <laughs> and that's a lot here in Pittsburgh. Right, so for two thousand to twenty four hundred, okay. So right now, I think it's rented for twenty three, but I'm starting to get a little bit nervous because that tenant's moving out in two weeks. I had somebody who wanted to rent it; they backed out. Uh, you know, just a week after we had it advertised. But the, my point is, we've had it advertised for thirty days now. I got nobody interested. Um, I'm dropping the price. I might have to drop it to nineteen hundred. I can't afford. Two thousand dollar, you know, my mortgage payment there with HOA fees and everything is right around. Probably my break even points eighteen hundred. Yeah, so I'm not making a lot there. It's just one of those properties where I bought it eight years ago. It'll be paid off in seven. So it's it's a beautiful thing. I love it. The the tenant the the turnover rates there. I'm probably I'm probably like at three percent vacancy there, maybe four. Good. 
but every month it's vacant, which is coming up soon in three weeks. It's going to be costing me $1,800. Just as a good refresher, and I know there is no absolute rule of thumb, but on average, vacancy rates, you said uh, – we've gone over this a couple times on podcasts, but what's a good vacancy rate typically? What, you, what do you aim for? Is that 5%? Zero. Zero. Well, obviously, <laughs> right, right. But That's a good one. Zero is great. Uh, that one percent. It, it depends, man. Like that nine-unit building, I'm okay with ten because I, you know, if I did my homework right, I would have budgeted for ten percent. Okay. Just because it's got some efficiencies in it, I it like has that. a couple one bedrooms, it has a couple two bedrooms. I have one lady that's been there like twenty-five years, longer than I've owned the building, and I have some people that have been there four or five, and I have some people that just moved in. And actually, one of the units I, I just started tried out my hand in an Airbnb. So one of the units is an Airbnb, which is going kind of well. That's you know? cool, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of neat. My daughter's helping me, you know, get people in. And it's like a hybrid between a hotel and an mm-hmm. apartment building. Mm-hmm. So just one unit we wanted to try it out and see how it works. So we're gonna give it a test drive. But nice. I can afford to do that. I'm I'm testing the waters and, and getting to know that market. Nothing wrong with that. And then in a year from now, we'll be doing a podcast about why Airbnbs are nice to invest. Maybe. In. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? All right, Alex. Um, but it seems like the, the, the biggest thing that – even in the, in the last thing that I asked you, it always ties back into knowledge. You know, vacancy rates, absolutely, you never want a vacancy. But like mm-hmm. you said, kind of knowing the area, thinking about it, being okay with that 10%, that just comes from the knowledge of knowing what is going to be on there. So yep. knowledge, no, knowledge, knowledge. Yeah, knowing – not being uh, surprised is always good. Yeah. So, so knowing what you're getting into – and, and well, like I said, those rents, knowing what rent the current rents are realistically and knowing that they can go up and down. They can go up and down, okay? So have a range, like if, if I'm buying that, that building and, or that house and I said it rents for 2000 to 2400 that's my range. And I know that going in. So at 2000 I'm breaking even. At 2400 I'm making a decent profit. But I knew that going in. I'm aware of when the market's down. I'm breaking even, maybe losing a little bit of money. And I know when the market's good, I'm making money. But either way, I knew what I was getting into, and I'm not surprised. All right, so, so there you go. Nice. And surprises are what causes everything to go downward. All right. Yes, sir. That's it? That's it. Ladies and gentlemen at home, we hope you enjoyed this. A little bit off the wall. We had some a little bit comedy aspects in there with some uh, our live studio audience acted up. We had a nice, you know, uh, we'll have to yell at Ian next time. Uh, have him on one of these. But guys, listen, follow us on uh, follow us on Facebook, on Twitter. Uh, it, just search Deacon Hoover on both sites. You'll be able to find us that way. Uh, property updates, property listings, podcasts, uh, events for Alex Deacon's workshops. We have everything on those sites. Um, Find Alex on Bigger Pockets. Find Alex on, um, on like I said, meetup.com is where his uh, his workshop group is. It's over 500 members now. Make sure you're visiting dhrea.com. My name is Adam. I thank you so much for listening in. For everyone here at DHRE, we thank you, and we'll see you next time.